For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackman, pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford route. Stan, I didn't think the Raiders could sink any lower, but they find a way to do it week in and week out, fresh off the loss to the Indianapolis coach, Colts, beg your pardon, who had a head coach but never coached above the high school level, and Jeff Saturday and an offensive coordinator who had never even called plays. Stan, can this season get any worse for the silver and black? I mean, like, if you think about it, like, it can always get worse technically, but I think uh, you probably hit it right on the head as far as the lowest of lows, losing to a team that just fired their head coach and offensive coordinator and now has a guy coming in from the studio analyst booth uh, into being the interim head coach, and he's now 1-0 a career as a head coach in the NFL, uh, even though we all know that Jeff Saturday was a fantastic player for uh, Peyton Manning and for Aaron Rodgers for a number of years, being an all-pro center, should be a Hall of Famer, Pro Bowls, all of that. But uh, definitely that's something that um, when you look at things in totality, losing to a head coach that doesn't have any experience past the high school level, that's definitely something that you don't want on your resume if you're Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, or anybody affiliated with the Raiders organization. Well, you mentioned Derek Carr, and he was very emotional after the loss to the Colts. Take a listen to his postgame press conference. You know, I can't speak for everybody. I know where I stand, and I love the silver and black. I'm going to give it everything I can every time I go out there. And uh, I can't speak for everybody, um, you know, for every man, um, what's going on in their head. But I can tell you what's going on in my head, and I'm going to give it all that I can every single time. I love Josh. I love the car. I love our coaches. Um, they've had nothing but success, you know, way more success than I've ever had, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Derek, um, you know, oh, sorry. to finish that, sorry for being emotional. I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what <clears throat> some guys are doing. Like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like just so we could be there for each other. <laughs> and I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place and as a leader that pisses me off if I'm being honest all right Stan you've had some time to digest Carr's uh, comments for a few days now what do you make of it what do you take away from it 
Oh, I mean, well, clearly he's uh, he's very disappointed. He's very frustrated, uh, and it was very heartfelt, everything that he said within the press conference. But I think that uh, for Raider Nation, I think for a lot of fans, like, okay, we know that Derek Carr cares. We know that he's frustrated. We know that he wants to win. We know that he's willing to put his best foot forward. But this is where, as the quarterback, the leader of the franchise, you got to right the ship because it all comes down to you. It's all on your shoulders. You're the face of the franchise. You're the highest paid guy on the team. Uh, so whenever you look at it from that aspect, yeah, Raider Nation, they feel for Derek Carr because you can tell he definitely cares. Like he's not one of those guys that is just there to collect a check and is there to just, you know, be cool for the Instagram pics and everything that comes from football. He obviously loves football and wants to be great at it, wants to lead this franchise, but it falls on his shoulders. So, yes, you, like you said during the press conference that certain leaders were talking at the end of the game. Uh, during the uh, during the, the closed door team meeting and things like that, but somehow, some way, things have to start to go in the opposite direction of where they've been going. And at the end of the day, that still starts and stops, or should I say, ends with the quarterback position. Dan, I think Carr's comments, <clears throat> excuse me, were not only an indictment of some of his teammates, but I feel like the coaching staff as well. I mean, the team came out flat again; they fell behind ten nothing, had to rally before coming up short again. Another one score loss. It's their sixth of the season after. You talked about this, Dan. They went seven and two last year in one score games. Um, you know, Carr's been with his organization, what, since 2014? I mean, he's seen numerous head coaches, he's seen numerous offensive coordinators, general managers, horrible personnel decisions, uh, off the field issues, franchise location. But Stan, to me, as you talked about, he's always been positive. He's always bled silver and black. He's always expressed his love for this organization, but I kind of feel like it hit a boiling point. And you know what, though, Stan, one thing I feel like, he's going to be the scapegoat. I don't think he's going to be back next year, and here's why. Because the Raiders, obviously, maybe not a full rebuild, but they need to gut that defense. They need to rebuild that offensive line. And what do teams want? They want a rookie quarterback on that rookie salary so they can address other position needs. And right now, the Raiders are looking at what, Stan, probably a top-five pick uh, in the 2023 draft. So, as much as Derek Carr loves this franchise, I, I think he's going to be the fall guy, and I don't think he's going to be back next year. What do you think about that? I think that uh, I, I think that you're, you're you're getting warm whenever you say that. Uh, I would go and spend that top overall pick on the defense side of the ball. I think uh, as far as receivers go, you're you're set there. Uh, when you look at the running back position, I would try to re-sign Jacobs, depending on what the market bears and things like that. Or possibly if somebody emerges, even though I haven't seen it yet, if somebody emerges as a viable option at the top five position where the Raiders presumably will be picking, then yeah, if it's a quarterback that's right there and you feel that he actually can take you in a direction that Derek Carr has not been able to take you yet, then yeah, you spend it on a, a quarterback. But I think that to your point, he probably will wind up being the scapegoat just because Josh McDaniels coming over from the New England Patriots. We don't know that Derek Carr was Josh McDaniels' top choice as far as who he wanted to coach in the NFL and try to mentor into being a top-tier quarterback or something like that. So that could very well be the case. If you bring back Josh McDaniels for another year, he may decide that, you know what, I kind of want to go in a different direction with a different type of quarterback. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think all, all arrows are pointing toward Derek Carr probably not being in a black and silver uniform next year if 
this season continues down the path that it is already on through nine games. All right, let's get a quick promo read here and then, then get back to it. Basketball is back. My Warriors are off to a slow start. Stan, your Houston Rockets are horrible. I, don't, I know that your Rockets. <laughs> More like my Spurs. Trust me, they're off to a bad start too. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag. And join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code Believe to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, we just talked about uh, Derek Carr perhaps not being back with the team next year. Do you, if they brought in a rookie quarterback, would you keep Darren Waller? Obviously, you'd keep Devontae. Would you listen to offers uh, for others if you were going to start over with a rookie quarterback? Do you listen to offers for Darren Waller? Do you even listen to offers? For Devontae Adams, perhaps Hunter Renfro, or do you try to keep those weapons around a young guy moving forward? What would you do as a Raiders GM? Well, yeah, whenever you have a young quarterback, you got to think, what's their best friend? It's going to be a good defense, a run game, and, and weapons around him. So I would do my darndest to try to, to try to maintain all the weapons, keep them all intact, keep them all in-house, because you don't want a rookie quarterback going to a team that's dearth with talent. That's something that's just... That like that that right there is is suicide. Just putting that guy out there, asking him to perform when he doesn't have much talent around him. I mean, let's go ahead and look at Josh Wilson for the New York for the New York Jets. Yeah, they got a good record, but the Jets aren't by any means happy with the level of play that Zach Wilson has put forth so far this season. So right now, if you're going to go ahead and do that reboot, having this nucleus of talent on the offense side of the ball, that is a quarterback, a young quarterback's best friend if you were to go that route and get a new guy. So I would do my best to try to keep everybody intact. If you're going to let somebody go, if, that's a huge if, you're going to let somebody go, let it start with Darren Waller. But I would not touch Hunter Renfro. I wouldn't touch Devontae Adams. And for Hunter Renfro, unless I'm getting a Cooper Cup in return, no, I'm not uh, I'm not touching the receiver. Well, Stan, on Monday, uh, Josh McDaniels in his press conference, he said he doesn't see any issue with effort from the players. And I kind of find that in contrast maybe to what Derek Carr was saying on Sunday. Now, Derek Carr might have been frustrated, but I just felt like we're almost getting two different versions of what's going on with the Raiders, one from the quarterback who I feel has always been bluntly honest. And then I almost feel like from Josh McDaniels, you're getting coach speak uh, a weekend. Or Mark weekend. Davis. Yes, saying, well, we'll get or to Mark Davis, Davis in a minute. But I, yeah, but I wanted to start <laughs> with Josh McDaniels. Stan, what are you seeing? Is it the Raiders? Is it just? Is it a lack of effort? Is it a lack of talent? Is it a combination of both? What are you seeing as the reason why they're two and seven and in this complete funk for twenty twenty two? I would say that I probably lean more towards lack of talent than I would say lack of effort because the guys, I mean, they they play hard. I mean, from time to time, you'll see a few blunders. You'll see maybe somebody with a loaf or something like that. But you can see that on any team if you go ahead and turn on the all twenty two film. But I think that. Just the the scheme when I see just somewhat of areas where the offensive line not getting enough pass rush, the secondary, certain areas where they lack depth slash talent or both. And that to me right there is indicative 
of what you've seen so far with the slow start this year or even slow game starts this year to me more so than lack of effort. All right. Now let's get to Mark Davis because he gave uh, Josh McDaniels a vote of confidence, said he's doing a great job, said Rome wasn't built in a day. And Stan, this just sounds like something completely tone deaf from an owner because I don't know how he can defend uh, the product or the lack of product than what the Raiders are putting on the field right now. Well, I can tell you like this. When he said that, I'm thinking, with all due respect, I'm thinking like, what the fuck is that? Right. Just because you're talking about he's doing a fantastic job. I could simply see here. You, I, could, I can understand you say, hey, you know what? We have obviously a slow start to the year, but I think Josh McDaniels has been doing a pretty good job uh, despite the, how the record looks on the scoreboard or just in the win column. I could see him saying something like that, but saying fantastic. That right there looked like he was going over the top with his support for him, but also could very well just simply be he wants to play his, keep his cards close to the vest, not show his cards. And for him to have had already several meetings with Josh McDaniels this year, and they come after losses, so we can clearly see that it's not a weekly, every Tuesday, meet with the owner type of regiment. That, to me, speaks more to Mark Davis probably is just trying to be political, he wants to be PC. He wants to go ahead and keep his cards close to the vest. And we may very well see some sort of a coaching change. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying we still could very well see that at the end of the season. But Mark Davis does not want to give any ammo for any sort of media talk. He doesn't want to give any sort of material that winds up now becoming a story on top of the Raiders just simply being a bad football team right now. Stan, let me ask you this. To me, Mark Davis got the Raiders into this mess, and he's the one who can get him out of this mess and pull the plug on Josh McDaniels. I mean, you and I know McDaniels is going to survive this season. There's no doubt about that. But I think the big question to me now, and I'm beginning to wonder, is Josh McDaniels going to be back for year two? Now, here's my concern that he could be, because you look at the Raiders, and you know this better than anyone, Stan. You played for them for seven years. It's a family-owned business. I, I don't believe Mark Davis is flush with cash. He had to pay out John Gruden. After last year, he had to pay out Mike Mayock. He signed Josh McDaniels to a four-year deal. So if he lets him go, he still owes him uh, three years left on that deal. Then he's got to go out mm -hmm. and find another coach, and you know he's going to pay an arm and a leg for that. So let me ask you this. Do you think Josh McDaniels, one, is gone after the season? Two, how much do you think money is going to factor into this decision? I think money's probably going to factor into it, but ultimately I think because – we saw how everything played out with John Gruden, how Mark Davis really, really wanted John Gruden, paid him 10 years, $100 million, and how he really, really wanted Josh McDaniels, wanted to go after him. That's why I think he's going to wind up giving him at least a second year on this uh, on, on this, uh, this go-round. And obviously, you know, like what you're saying, the money, that I think that'll play 15 to 20% of, a, uh, of an impact. But I think ultimately Mark Davis got the guy he wanted, and he's going to ride with him and he's going to support him. And he's just going to go ahead and he's going to write this year off as, you know what? First year in, didn't really have the right chemistry, wasn't the right fit, this, that, and the other, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And then the second year, expect big things to go ahead and take off. So, Stan, let me ask you this. Give me the odds that you think that Josh McDaniels is back. I mean, one to ten, ten being the strongest. How, how, how do you feel about this? How, what do you think? I would probably go with a Josh McDaniels being back. I would go with a, I'd go with a seven and a half. 
you know, I, I didn't think he'd be back. I thought it was going to be a one or two, but the, the longer this season goes and the more things that Mark Davis says, I, I, I kind of lean 50, 50, but I think I'm with you. I think he, I think he's coming back for year two. Um, I don't know what the fan base is going to think of that. Obviously I don't think they're going to be very happy with it and we'll see how it, it sits with the fan base and people going to the games. Um, if Al Davis was uh, still owning this team, there's no way Josh McDaniels would be back for year two. So <laughs> no, no, no would way. <laughs> for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, no let no. me ask you this thing. You, you've been with the, involved with the Raiders for the better part of two decades now. And a friend of mine texted me after the Texans game. He goes, DA, he goes, this is the lowest point for the Raiders since when? And I was like, ooh, great question. I mean, to me, I probably have to go back to like 1997 when Joe Bugle was the coach for one year and the Raiders went 4-12, and 12 and you could tell that the team quit. Um, I, there were reports that Chester McLaughlin was wearing like a trench coat in practice because he was cold, and it just – it was the year before Gruden got there and he kind of uh, righted the ship. Is this the lowest point for the Raiders since when for you? Oh, wow, the lowest point. Uh, I would probably say the lowest point probably since 2006 – we went 2-14 and 14 that year. We got blanked several times on national TV, I think by the Seahawks, the Chargers, and somebody else. I'm just forgetting. Um, but, yeah, that was a very tough year. Art Show was our head coach. Uh, that was a very tough year. So if you're asking me the lowest point since, I would say since 2006 season. All right, Stan. And Art Show didn't wasn't back for year two, but Lane Kiffin was hired after that. So you talk yeah. about that, and then, and then – what would it be like if Art Shell came back for a year or two? Because I almost feel like it, I don't know if it's the same comparison, but how do you think the players would feel if Josh McDaniels came back for a year or two? If you could compare apples to apples, oranges to oranges with those two situations. Well, because I'm not sure if, if Josh McDaniels has lost the locker room because I'm not positive on that. I don't know that. Okay. Uh, yeah or nay. Uh, that, that's why it would be tough because if the players still believe in the coach and they still actually see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, then they're not going to have an issue with him coming back. It's not going to be much trepidation. But if he's lost the locker room, the veterans on that team, if they're already out on this guy and he comes back for a second year, then, yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot of turmoil. It's going to definitely going to be a lot of pushback internally just because you're going to have to go throughout the entire offseason of knowing he's going to be your guy going into the second year, and if you didn't believe in him in year one, you're definitely not going to all of a sudden believe in him in year two, and you're definitely not going to want to put your best foot forward. You're not going to want to run through a, a wall for that guy. You're just definitely not. So that, to me, right there is the biggest sticking point. Has he lost the locker room? Has he lost the team? Because that right there is more important than scheme. It's more important even than talent, because if, you, if those 53 guys, if they're not ready to go to war for you, if they don't believe in you, then you've already lost before the ball's even kicked off for the yeah, season. You, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you were finished. But let me ask you this. What does it actually mean to lose the locker room? Does that mean guys just aren't listening? Are they just going through the motions? Uh, can you explain, elaborate a little bit more on that, what it, what it means when a coach has lost the locker room? 
All of the above, everything that you just said. I remember back when we in 2006 with the uh, I was with the the Oakland Raiders back then, and we had Archell, and obviously Archell Hall of Fame tackle, sure. Hall of Fame offensive lineman. So I mean, come on now, like you got to give him his respect. But the thing is, is that he came in and he had that old school mentality. And so I remember way back then we were in training camp, two a days in training camp, full pads, both practices doing two a days in training camp. We were in full pads up until about week 13, maybe uh, early to second week of December. So things like that. Guys were worn down. Now we went, I think, four and one in the preseason because we had the Hall of Fame game that year. So you factor in all of that. I think guys were worn down. And I remember, I'll go ahead and give you a few little uh, sure. a few little examples. We opened up the year against the San Diego Chargers on Monday Night Football. Mm -hmm. And obviously we got blank. And so we're looking at our schedule going forward as far as like the day-to-day -day operations. I think maybe about a day or two before the game. It probably was that Saturday. And anybody that knows anything about the NFL, the Tuesday is like the universal day off in the right. NFL. Well, if you play Monday night football, that's where your week is kind of dicey because Tuesday is your day off. But typically, most games are on Sunday. Typically, Monday is when you come in, you get a lift, go ahead, get that lactic acid, lactic acid out. Then you watch film, make your correction. So that's why playing Monday night football, you got it's a little bit of a shorter week because now you still need your day off, but you got to go ahead and do the film corrections, get the lactic acid out, things like that. So while we're while while uh, they're putting out the other uh, schedule, we're looking at it as a team on a piece of paper, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember how it showed Tuesday was a normal, a normal work day. So we're getting ready to go into the game. I believe we were playing the Baltimore Ravens in week two. And so I remember Warren Sapp, you know, Warren Sapp, yes. Hall of Famer, <clears throat> best defensive tackle to ever play the game. Arguably, some people will say Aaron Donald, but right. it's out of those two, number 99. And so he said, what about Tuesday? And Art Shell was like, what about Tuesday? As if like, okay, and you better be at work here tomorrow. And that right there probably was the first domino, which probably caused a lot of guys to kind of get out on Art Shell was that moment right there. Just because, so we got to play the game Monday night, and then we got to come in Tuesday to go ahead and do the usual day after the game routine. And then we go right into Wednesday, which is starting the work week, going into the Baltimore game. So we did not even have a day off. And just that right there, numerous times where I remember in training camp, where I remember how he was getting on us one day for having a bad practice. And he told us that something to the extent of, it's not you guys' fault. It's your upbringing. And it was kind of like, Wait a minute, did he just attacked my parents? Right. My family? So, okay, you can tell me that I'm practicing like crap. You can tell right. me I'm playing like a piece of shit. You can tell me that. You're not going to tell me that my parents didn't raise me right. You're not going to do that. And just that alone, that old school mentality, because obviously being the great player that he was, it was a little bit of more that hardcore, you know, raised with the iron fist type of uh, upbringing, type of mentality, coaching style, this, that, and the other. And it just wasn't rocking well with anybody within the Raiders organization. So those two examples probably right there. And that was during a team session. <laughs> that was a team session when he's saying that to the team. 
I think that uh, those two right there pretty much were the first two dominoes that uh, led to everybody pretty much checking out in a lot of ways. Not everybody. I'm not going to say that. But that uh, probably was uh, the first two dominoes. <clears throat> All right. Let's move on to Sunday now, Standing, You can pretty much dub this one the disappointment bowl between the the Raiders and the Denver Broncos, high expectations going into the season for both these two teams. I mean, I thought yep. Denver was definitely going to be a playoff team once they got Russell Wilson. And then obviously the Raiders. Now, Stan, you and I have already talked about this. The Raiders likely uh, playing for a, you know, a draft position in 2023. I mean, obviously we want the Raiders to win and things like that. But what are you looking at more in particular for this team, not only on Sunday, but moving forward, knowing that the playoffs are a distant dream. And right now they're basically just playing out the string. Oh man, I just well, you just want to see uh you want to see positive steps going forward, especially out of the secondary, the offensive line, seeing if this defensive line can go ahead and get that consistent pass rush alongside with Max Crosby. Uh so I you, you just want to see improvement. That that's really what you want to see right now. You obviously want to see a win because they can beat the Denver Broncos. They've already beat them uh already once this year. So you just want to see positive movement going forward you want to see there being some sort of a path some sort of a brain trust some sort of a approach you know setting up certain plays early on for a certain play that may work in the fourth quarter with Josh McDaniels or Derek Carr you just want to see some sort of some sort of methodology and I think that that right there is very feasible against the Denver Broncos you should beat the Denver Broncos but after what we've seen the last several weeks anything is possible, but that's what I'm looking for. I just want to see positive feet going forward. Dan, let me ask you this. I'm going to give you four teams. Tell me the biggest disappointment this year, all right? We got the Raiders, we got the Broncos, you got the Rams, and you got the Packers. The biggest disappointment? Oh, wow. I would probably have to go with... I would probably have to go with either the Raiders or the Broncos, the Packers, we all knew them losing Devontae Adams. They would, they had a, they had a huge potential to take a step back. The Los Angeles Rams losing Von Miller and Odell Beckham, in my opinion, which were the catalyst for them winning the title last year, not being a good team, but for them, for them to win the title. We all know that if you take away the playoff run for the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Rams were a good team, not great last year during the regular season. We can see that. So for them to take a step back is not completely surprising. So going to the biggest disappointment, it would definitely be out of the Raiders and the Broncos. And if I'm just being speaking freely right here, I would probably say given as much media attention, given as much firepower, given as much as much strong, positive energy that was coming into this season, which seems like a huge letdown, I would probably go with the Las Vegas Raiders being the biggest dis disappointment this year. Yeah, I think you could almost toss a coin and, and wherever it lands, I think you could pick either one of those four. I find it interesting with Devontae Adams, obviously a link between the Raiders and the Packers with the trade. I feel like, Stan, the Raiders are almost wasting uh, Devontae Adams' talent this year, how well he has played, and then the record is just 2-7. and seven. But it's interesting to me how much – that trade has hurt the Packers, and particularly on offense. I just don't think people have yeah. got the impact that it would have on Aaron Rodgers and that offense. But I, I know they got the come-from-behind win against uh, Dallas on Sunday. I believe they're, what, they're four and six uh, yeah. without Devontae. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting that one player could impact two franchises 
uh, like this. And like I said, I feel I do feel bad for Devontae Adams because you see the frustration with him on the losing. He's not used to losing and just the effort that he puts forward and the numbers that he puts up, and it's all for naught right now. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, very disheartening, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. And I think that oftentimes, you know, within the NFL, you go and you trade for somebody, you sign a high-priced free agent, things like that. And so much of this game has to do with gelling, cohesiveness, and just being the right fit. And that's where where it's really, really frustrating because you can't just plug in and play. You can't just play it like it's a video game. Like, it has to be the right fit. And – Obviously, we know Devontae Adams, one of the top receivers in the league, if not the top receiver right. in the league. And now it makes you wonder, is the play calling correct? Did they get the right combination with the offensive line? I think we all know that answer. Hell no. So I think <laughs> that it just comes down to the right fit, the right nucleus. It's got to be the right, the right pairing, the right pattern. And that's why so much is more important and imperative than just simply signing great players. Because they all got to be able to mesh together and you got to be able to make this all make this entire thing work and be able to put in the right ingredients, which you and I both know you can put in the right ingredients. But if you don't have the right mixture, dish won't come out as tasty. It won't. All right, Stan, it's prediction time. Uh, Raiders heading to Mile High City to take on the Broncos. They are three and six. The Raiders are two and seven. Uh, Who are you going with on Sunday? Oh, I'm going with the Raiders to bounce back. I would say 27-21 Raiders. It's going to be nip and tuck, but I think the Raiders are going to go ahead and find a way to pull it off up there in the Mile High City just because they're tired of getting embarrassed. And, you know, they're going to be playing on Fox. They're not going to be playing on CBS. Maybe that's a little bit of a, of a change-up, something like that, to rejuvenate them. Derek Carr, obviously, with his heartfelt press conference, he's going to be out for blood. He's going to be trying to go ahead and prove the naysayers wrong, along with Devontae Adams. And I think that the Raiders will come out victorious against the Denver Broncos. Stan, is that pick with your heart or your head? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of uh, my heart. Uh, my head is telling me that they very well could lose to the Broncos, but because the Broncos themselves, they're three and six, so it ain't like they're world beaters. That's why I still think that it's, uh, it's possible. Well, Denver Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett said, heck, somebody's got to win this game. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, now that you said that, this game's probably going to end in like a 15, <laughs> 15 <the> tie. tie. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. You know what, Stan? I've been picking the Raiders all year. I've been waiting for them to snap out of this. I just don't see it happening. After last week, I just feel like this is a lost season. I hate to do it, but I'm going to go with the Broncos. Uh, I don't. The, the Raiders' defense is just simply so bad they cannot stop anybody. I, I'm going to go Denver 24. Right now, the Raiders' magic number seems to be 20 <clears throat> on offense, so I'm going to go 24-20. Yeah. Uh, the Denver Broncos, and unfortunately, the losing ways continue for the Raiders. But I do hope I'm wrong. Obviously, we'll be watching and. And hoping for a silver and black win, but we'll see how it all plays out on Sunday. And next week, hopefully, we can be talking about a win instead of uh, what the heck happened on Sunday again to this team. And they continue to go down the wrong path uh, in what is a disappointing season. So, all right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rapp, I'm Dennis Ackerman. May all your punts find the coffin corner. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done.